people deluded i'm back again good morning i hope you're doing well and safe on this not so nice monday morning over here in england but uh, you know me i'm back again with another edition of the deluded podcast the last one regarding the premier league season because as you know Game week 38 was played yesterday and there wasn't too much we didn't already know. If you're a Villa fan, you know you're you're ecstatic because you've stayed in the league. A point in your draw against West Ham was enough to do so. If you're a Leicester fan, you know I'm sure you've got a sense of pride how your team's played. And, you know, at the start in August, fifth place for Leicester would have been good. But considering they ran away with third and fourth for a while and now they're not playing in Europe's pinnacle football, it's an opportunity miss. For Arsenal, you know, we move from 10th to 8th and at least for my sake, we get an extra 5 million, which in our situation, every penny counts. Spurs confirmed Europa League football. Chelsea confirmed Champions League football. You know, Bournemouth um, won, but it doesn't mean anything because they're going down. Um, yeah, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, our 20, 20 assists this season. You know, he's had a terrific season and City ran right against Norwich, so we might as well get straight into it. Let's start with my team, Arsenal. Now, going into it, you know, I've spoken about all of this in my review on YouTube, so go and check that out. But going into the game, we know we're going against a team that's fighting relegation. Their backs are against the wall. Players and coaching staff and everybody is fighting for their futures. You know, some man in that Watford side will get moves. There might not be a move to the, another Premier League side for everybody. So we knew we was going against a team that was going to fight and things. Obviously, VAR played a part and allowed us to get the first goal. Apologies for that, people. My phone should be on silent. But like I said... <clears throat> courtesy of VAR we get the first goal Craig Dawson is charging into Lacazette you know there's no way we could get that when Bruno got one for which was much much softer against Aston Villa you know Aubameyang scored a brace today he stepped up you know he ends the campaign like Danny Ings with 22 goals and they're pipped by Jamie Vardy by a single goal um, so it is what it is you know you, the one benefit I'll give us in that game the, the, the two goals we scored they're I genuinely believe that as a result of what Arteta's been working on the training ground, purely because if you watch both goals, there's serious pass moves. You know, there's a lot of, there's around 15 odd passes that leads to the throwing in which Tierney and Aubameyang um, made a goal happen. Tierney's goal was actually probably our best goal. Other than that, I felt we was, like I said, I praise us for those moves, training ground moves, and ultimately we got three points. But again, this is what's plagued us, you know, conceding cheap goals. Even at 3-0, you didn't feel Arsenal was the best team. So, you know, you've got to be playing quite poor. We did have our, our foot off the off the gas to a degree because we didn't have much to play for. And I think it showed, um, you know, Watford, I feel man to a man, they did very well, man. They Cheap mistakes is why they why they conceded, you know, these goals. Every goal was a cheap one to concede. You know, Cabasele is not even jumping for, for Aubameyang's second goal. Um, you know, Craig Dawson had a mare. But other than that, I think they reacted well. I think they matched us in most departments. I think they had made a real go at things. And, you know, if they played like that all season, they wouldn't be in the position they're in. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a cheap... We conceded two cheap goals. You know, Welbs should have had a hat-trick. Welbs' goal was very good. He completely cons David Luiz and makes that dart to the front post. For the first goal, I mean, for, for the to make it 3-1, obviously... Holding is playing a stupid pass and holding. I don't know what's going. I, I don't want him to be the. I don't expect him to be the finished article, and I know he's not fully fit. But the speed of thought or the, the the improvement of thinking, I'm not seeing it in Rob Holding's play. It's like against Villa, he's charging out of defence aimlessly. Yesterday, simple pass. Just do the simple pass. He tries a complicated pass. It doesn't bang. 
can Louise maybe defend better and not bring down Welbeck potentially? But I think his mind's made up and Louise is a fire hazard on most days, but sometimes he is the victim of poor defending elsewhere. You look at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, you know, David Louise was, I think it was Louise was forced to make a mistake because there was already one other mistake. For Louise, it obviously means he's conceded five penalties this season and that puts him up there, you know. He's conceded the most single player to concede the most um, penalties this season. In terms of Arsenal players in the Premier League, only Chesney with six and Koscielny with eight. Considering Koscielny was here for around four or five years and Chesney was here from 16, 17 years of age, David Luiz is doing quite the bit to overtake them with his five. Um, you know, it was written in the stars Danny Welbeck would score and, you know, it remains to be seen. I think he'll get a move to another Premier League team, but considering his injury record and, and, and stuff like that, maybe someone doesn't take a chance. But with that, you know, Welbeck has become the fourth player to score a goal at Emirates Stadium for three different sides after Eduardo De Silva, Berbatov and Kabul. Um, so that's decent. You know, Kieran Tierney scored and he got an assist. But Kieran Tierney, with Kieran Tierney's goal, he's the first Scottish player to score for Arsenal in any competition since Scott Marshall versus Newcastle in 1996, when I was barely one years old. Um, well, my birthday would have been the next month, so I still technically wouldn't even be one years old. So yeah, man, he's he's flying. He's making history. And Tierney's been, a, for me, Tierney's been one of the signings of the season. He's been injured and Tierney's been, for, as an Arsenal fan, been a revelation because he's consistent on the field. He's consistent off it. He just does his job, man. And it's refreshing to hear that. Obviously, Aubameyang has got 22 goals for the campaign. Um, with his two goals yesterday, it means he's now scored 13 goals in his last 11 appearances against sides starting the day in the relegation zone. So, you know, he puts firmly puts them to the sword. Ultimately, we made it harder than it needed to be, but we walk away with the three points. Like I said, game management. I know we've been playing three at the back a lot, and I think when we switched to a back forward, players did look unsure, but I'm sorry they should be able to to recognise the system, and I, I think that's all a cop-out. But, you know, on another day, we probably lose that 4-3 or 5-3. On another day, we draw 3-3 three, three or 4-4. Four, four. Fortunately, you know, we walk away with the three points, and in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter too much, if any. But we move forward and for us as well, you know, nobody, at least to my knowledge, nobody new has got an injury. So we've got not a full team to, to, to pick from on Saturday in the FA Cup at final against Chelsea. But, you know, there's some decent options for Chelsea. You know, it's been a very good season. Similar to, it seems like with the last two Chelsea managers, everybody's been talking nonsense about their manager and then they've walked away with something decent. It's like, you know, Chelsea qualified via Europe for the Champions League last year via winning the Europa League and obviously getting top four. Terrific for Surrey. People are saying Lampard's going to come 10th. He's got no money. He's got this and he's got that. There's a lot of things Chelsea need to improve. There's a lot of personnel they need to bring in. You know, you 80, 80 million plus keeper is being dropped. So, you know, he's concerning. I do think Lampard can only play one way really and truly. And if that's not possession based and they kind of struggle, I do think they kind of struggle if they go a goal behind. I do think there is a lot of Arsenal of old problems within that Chelsea side. But he's had a terrific season considering it's his first year at the club. People saying he's he's going to come 10th. He, what, he's got into the top four. They won 2-0 against Wolves. And we'll get touch on it a bit um, in a sec. But getting in the Champions League, you don't know what that can mean for them in terms of buying better players. And for Lampard, it's something to build upon. Because they've got Champions League, they've got an FA Cup, potential first bit of silverware for him as a manager. Um, and they did what they needed to do. You know, they won 2-0. What a free kick from Mason Mount. And then he goes and gets an assist as well. I, you lot know me, I've got a lot of time for Mason Mount. And again, you can tell he's practised that. 
I don't know what Giroud's been drinking at Chelsea, but that man can just not stop scoring goals. And, you know, at the age of 33, he's still doing his thing, people. And he's had quite the career, you know. He's he's come into the professional game late. He's won stuff at Montpellier. He's come to Arsenal, won FA Cup and stuff. He's won a European title with Chelsea. He's gone all the way to become a World Cup winner. And, you know, he started off the season be, at a time he was behind Michy Batshuayi. And now looking at it, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's playing well. You know, Giroud, Giroud can be frustrating. He can miss criminal chances. He can go on goal droughts and stuff. But when he's playing the way he is... He's a perfect player to have in your squad, to be fair with you. You know, he's a good target man. But hold-up player is definitely better than what people give him credit for. You know, he's had a good season, man, on the, on the scheme of things. And at 33, he's the oldest player to score in five consecutive Premier League starts, um, taking over from Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's also 33 or so, and he's now the top goal scorer. And he must, I think he statistically is the, the oldest top goal scorer since Gary Lineker um, in the league. So it shows what can happen. It shows age isn't anything when you're consistent and stuff. And I think I always like to see people prove people wrong. You know, Lampard, clearly Giroud's not his cup of tea. He doesn't want to play him. But Giroud's got his head down and, and worked so hard and, and taken advantage of situations that Lampard has no opportunity to, to leave him out. He can't leave him out, or at least he couldn't for this season. You know, with the prospect of Werner and things like that, We'll have to see because I imagine at Chelsea, it'll be good to have Giroud's the perfect super sub, you know, collectively within the squad, you know. They have someone like Werner, they've got him, you know, they could play both of them, a target man for Werner to come in. You know, they can go with Tammy and Werner, um, you know, it could be Werner and Tammy on the bench, you know, free strikers. Or they could even sell Tammy for 50 million and do other things. Or they could even let Giroud go. My, my guess is all free stay, you know, they've all got different um, plus points. You know, Tammy is done a decent job at Chelsea this year. Giroud's come into his own since the restart, really. You know, only Michy Batshuayi should be scared for his spot um, and things, you know. There's going to be a lot of game time. And for Giroud, it's, it's actually for him because I do think he's earned the right to stay at Chelsea and be an option. Can he replicate this form? More importantly, you know, you've got the Euros next year. It was going to be this year. And it's sad because, you know, he, he's one of the many strikers in the league, you know. Calvert-Lewin's gone off the boil, but Calvert-Lewin, Giroud, Danny Ings, players that, you know, to a degree, Mason Greenwood, even though I think he should go next year. Players that, you know, were in strikers that were in quite hot form. Rashford as well, quite hot form going into the Euros. And it, it would have been nice to see if they could replicate it. And obviously, for Giroud, rightly or wrongly, you know, he gets called up to the French side, whether you agree with it or not. He backs up his decision. At 33 years of age, you'd imagine the Euros next year is his last chance and of, of silverware again with, with, with France. And obviously, being a World Cup winner, winning several things he's done in his career. It's probably the last, on top of what Chelsea do next year, it's the last opportunity. So does he want to give that, does he want to, and again, you have to play first team football. So I imagine at 33 years of age, you're obviously going to be linked with MLS. Apologies, people. Why is my alarm going off? I woke up at six. Like I was saying, people, um, with obviously him being 33 and the need to play consistent football going into a Euros campaign, will he opt to leave Chelsea and say, listen, I need to play first team football because I remember Deschamps isn't the whole reason he left Arsenal to get in the World Cup side or whatever to play for Des play for Deschamps. So the prospect of missing having one last hoorah with France might be too much to turn down. And at the end of the day, you know, Giroud's one thing about Giroud throughout his whole footballing life, from what I can see, he responds very well to adversity, he responds very well to critics. So, you know, it is what it is, we'll have to see. Um, you know, for Mason Mount though, it's just a sec he's just the second Englishman to score a direct free kick for Chelsea in the Premier League. Anyone wanna guess the other? 
it's his manager and almost you know I call him the fo- I call him the coach's son because his dad is Frank Lampard in a footballing sense. Um, and obviously it took just 133 seconds between Chelsea's first goal and second. For Wolves, obviously Wolves, you know, top four is a myth. They've got a respectable finish. And I did think in that game, Wolves did have their foot off the gas because both sets of teams, players are on the beach. I know Chelsea got the FA Cup final, but players can't bother now. The season's done, sort of thing. So, yeah, Chelsea won um, won 2 0, got the three points. Like Manchester United, they're laughing. Sheffield United have had a good season. I feel Chris Wilder, when you isolate Jurgen Klopp, because I feel Jurgen Klopp should win. PFA Player of the Year, Manager of the Year, or any sort of managerial awards for the Premier League, in my opinion, should go to Jurgen Klopp because he's claimed Liverpool's title after after thirty years, ninety nine points. You know they've blown City out the window by um by like twenty odd points. You know they've had a great season, and I think Klopp deserves his plaudits. But for me, and you know you could say Dean Smith for just saving Villa from relegation, but I believe when you look at the managers, I think if it's not Jurgen Klopp for me personally. And Brendan Rodgers has had a decent year in the grand scheme of things, as has Nuno. But for me, the manager of the year, excluding Klopp, is Chris Wilder. He's oh, they lost, they lost yesterday, and he won't be happy because they've taken their foot off since the restart, and they lost after going a goal up. But I think he's got these. It remains to be seen if he can do it next season, which probably won't be the case unless they strengthen. But I think you know Chris Wilder's the manager of the year for me. You know he he fully gets he's united the players, the coaching staff, and obviously the fans. And as an Arsenal fan, seeing everybody fight for one collective goal, Sheffield United, is I'm I'm jealous of that. Like I'm jealous of Sheffield away. What was it in the league? I'm jealous of that. I'm seeing you know almost a fan as a manager in Chris Wilder for all his abilities. I'm seeing all the players singing from the same hymn sheet and the collective. The fans roaring them on. That's what I want. You know I feel Chris Wilder. You know, he's overperformed. He's got a top top half finish with, with the Sheffield United boys. He's overperformed with their squad. You know, the goal was to stay in the league. The goal next season is to stay in the league. But they've played well. You know, I don't know if they're going to keep Den- Dean Henderson. I don't know if they're going to add any quality. You'd imagine they need to. But I think they've played very well. But it, in relation to playing Southampton, they were woeful. They went a goal up and they bottled it and lost 3-1. You know, Che Adams, it's taken a, a while for him to find his feet. Um, playing for Southampton, but he popped up with two goals and has scored in back-to-back Premier League games, having only scored one in his in his first 28 appearances for Southampton. So he's starting to find his feet. Um, you know, big up um, McCarthy for big saves. And between Nick Pope, Dean Henderson, and there is one more I'm missing out, they're putting pressure on Pickford. You know, Pick, there's no logical reason for Pickford to still be England's number one. And he's lucky there's no Euros this year. And, you know, international is a bit funny. I don't think Southgate would have the cojones to drop Pickford, but there is no, there'll be no logical reason for Pickford to be starting. You know, there's a couple of English keepers playing better than him. Um, so yeah, man, Southampton came from behind. They won three one, and it's been quite the revival from Southampton, having lost what? What was that? They lost like a cricket score. Was it like nine? Leicester scored like eight nine against them. They've reacted well, and that's a a black mark on their season and an L and a negative part of history. But they've reacted well because at one point it looked like Southampton might have to focus on staying up. For Danny Ings, Danny Ings got tw- finishes the season with 22 league goals, and you know he is one of the signings of the season for the, in in the Premier League. And it's all I know he was on loan there technically, but it's almost like people forgot and he was bought from Liverpool. And Liverpool were justified in selling him. He needed to play. He was injured. He was not playing like this. But you know it, you, we can't help as football fans but look and say, oh raw. You know Liverpool got Origi. You know he's a decent player and has had important moments. But yesterday against Newcastle was his first goal in however many twenty odd appearances. You've got Danny Ings with twenty two league goals. Imagine that off the bench. So what a signing for for Southampton that has been. 
But they won three goals to one, like I said, against Sheffield United. For Sheffield as well, big up them. They've collected 54 points this season, which is their highest ever points tally in a Premier League season. So again, I personally believe Chris Wilder is the manager of the year when you exclude Jurgen Klopp. Not to exclude Jurgen Klopp, because like I said, once again, he is my man at first choice. He is my manager of the year. But I feel obviously with... The Premier League, we're always going to focus on the top six. Yes, Arsenal are not in the top six, but, you know, we're always going to focus on what's happening at the top end. And I feel it, it discredits because Chris Wilder, like I said, performed above expectations. If you wanted to be real harsh, Liverpool should have been expected to mount a league challenge um, because of the money they spent, because of the side they've been building, because of Klopp's intention when he took over and said, within four years, I will win something. Three years, I'll win something, a, a Premier League. And he was off by a year, but he's got it. Um so big up Chris Wilder, as you can see, I'm a big fan. Keeping up with Liverpool, Don, it's been a terrific season for Liverpool. You know, these lot are going down in folklore. It's the first Premier League title in 30 years. Jurgen Klopp, probably the best Liverpool manager I've seen in my lifetime. You know, I had a lot of time for Rafa Benitez, but I think Jurgen Klopp's just different with it, um, you know. Um, and he deserves all his plaudits. And he can when he does leave, he leaves a champion. And the next thing for Liverpool now is it, the season's done. You can't, you know, you celebrate, you're happy and things. But they've, they, there's got to be an inquest, you know. Liverpool, to seek to get better, you've got to think, yeah, we've won the league, but what could we have done better? After the restart, we was a bit shaky, you know. Could we have challenged better in domestic competitions? Could we have claimed a double, you know. Could, should we have done better in the, in the FA Cup and things? I know they had to throw games because, you know, they were playing in the World Club Cup. But it, it, you see what I'm saying? You know, they were 99 points. Think about why they didn't get to 100 when you look at games against Watford and potential other draws or even losing against Arsenal a few weeks ago. Do you get it? Because the next step is to retain that. To a degree, it's not going to be a walk in the park for Liverpool. Other teams are going to spend money. Other teams are going to do their homework and double up against Liverpool. Areas they've exploited this season, it might not work now. Like, you know, next season, you probably won't be able to stop Trent and Robertson. But I think teams will try more to pin those two players back because... In the modern game, demands a lot of the fullbacks. For Jurgen Klopp, you de he demands a lot of his fullbacks for obvious reasons. And his fullbacks are where his creativity comes with. Trent Arnold, you know, is one of the league's top assisters. And Robertson's probably not too far behind. So there are probably other things for them. You know, the challenge is to retain the title and go again. Um, and, you know, you can only do that with bringing in different players. And I don't know if Liverpool are going to do that. That squad's been together for a while, you know. They did well in Europa League with Jurgen Klopp. They got to a Champions League final. They just missed out once upon a time in the league against Liverpool. I mean, against City, because there was a time, what was it, last year? They were running away with it, and then they messed it up. And now they've finally done it. And sandwiched in between this, you know, they've claimed whole heap of trophies, but the only ones of significance that I can remember is the champs in the Premier League, you know. You're not going to be able to do that without bringing in someone, because subconsciously or consciously, there's going to be a bit of complacency. You look at the ages of these players, you know, Salah's in his prime, Mane's in his prime. You're in your prime, big contract, playing for a team. I'm not saying they're not going to improve or play, but you've got to get complacency out. That would have been, clearly Klopp knows that or he wouldn't have tried to go for Fakir a season ago where, you know, Fakir would give them more options in midfield. I know, no disrespect, because I think Wijnaldum's got more attacking credit than he gets credit for and Cater's coming into his own since the second half of the season. But KR, Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, they've all got different qualities and they've all played their part for Liverpool's title challenge. But none of them would be described as creative midfielders. A creative midfielder, ironically, Coutinho money funded all of this, but a Coutinho-like player would take Liverpool to the next level. He tried to sign for Key. Clearly, you know, Klopp knows, you know, I need different options. So he tried to get a striker in Werner. 
you know, whether he gives Brewster a chance next year is another thing. Hopefully Curtis Jones in midfield gets more of a chance. But whether he brings in another striker is a different thing. But clearly he's thinking about it. If we brought in Werner, is he bringing in Werner to start? If so, what does he do with Firmino? Does he move Firmino back or does Firmino go on the bench? Do you get it? Because that front three know on their worst of day they're playing. Like, no disrespect to any of the other players. But those front three, Firmino, Mane and Salah, they know there's a massive gulf in quality between Origi, Shikiri, and all of these names that can be put against them people. Do you get it? Um, someone like Averna would shake things up. You know, everyone would say, oh, but we don't need it and everyone plays. Listen, there's 38 Premier League games. There's times where Mane and Salah won't be at it, so Werner can make the difference. Werner's not at it, so them man make the difference. And I know I keep saying Werner, but focus on another striker. It gives them better options, you know. Do they play Firmino behind the striker? Do they drop Firmino out? Do Mane or Salah even drop out? Clearly Klopp recognises this, you know. I think Nico Williams' emergence means potentially they can be easy with signing another right back. But I feel definitely on the left-hand side, they need another left back. You know, how long is Milner going to be involved? Um, I'm a big fan of Joe Gomez, but is there a case to bring in another centre-half? Because Van Dijk played every minute of the Premier League, I believe, um, Premier League campaign for Liverpool. It's, a, it's, a, it's glorious he didn't get injured. But if he gets injured, it's Joe Gomez and who? Matip can do his thing, but there's a clear drop-off in quality. So, you know, it'd be keen to see what happens. But yeah, man, Liverpool won 3-1 against Newcastle. They've collected 99 points this season. Um, you know, only City have, have accumulated more points in a single campaign. Um, for Liverpool, they're in folklore, you know. They, they've won the league title. I don't feel this, this squad is of the level or this team. You get it, like, they, they're in the conversation, but I don't think they're... I don't rate them above... Definitely above Arsenal's Invincibles, I'm going to be biased 100% with that. I don't think the trouble side, they, they go against them. I don't think they're better than Chelsea's 90-plus points because, you know, you know, Liverpool have done well, but it's not like they've done the double or anything. And I'm not criticising them, I'm just comparing them all. But it's still a great side. And I do think people are discrediting Liverpool, saying, oh, because of the coronavirus, it loses credibility and all of this. That's all nonsense. A league title is a league title and Liverpool have won it. Um, you know, they won 3-1. They had an an early scare with obviously Dwight Gale, who's trying to make me eat humble pie. I don't think he's of I don't think he's of the quality of this level, but he's scoring goals. You know, he opened this the scoring early on before Van Dyke scored a towering header and I believe got his fifth goal in the campaign, which is his most. Um before obviously Origi and Mane scored some diff some very good crackers for Newca um against Newcastle. So Liverpool end it with three points, you know, end it on ninety-nine points, and again after thirty years, it's something to build upon. So yeah, the key, the key is to make this a thing now. You know, go and win it again. Because the next step, you know, Liverpool fans know themselves. People are going to say, oh, they've only won it once in 30 years. Blah, blah, blah. It's about doing it again. I'm sure Klopp wants his Champions League trophy back as well. He's got to the final and obviously won it in the two previous seasons. They went out to Atletico. So it's about how can they build upon this? How can they have a dynasty sort of thing? And that's only a degree, to a degree, only a lot of that can come if they're given, if, if signings are brought into the club, people. Moving away from that, though, obviously, West Ham and Villa, you know, Villa stay up, a point keeps them up. They're actually going to nick three points. Grealish scored um, before West Ham equalised, you know, for Grealish. It was his 10th goal of the season in all comps. He's the club's top right goal scorer. And to be fair, you know, he's their prodigal son. He's come from their academy. You couldn't, It couldn't have been a sweeter feeling than for him to save them, you know, and it's a bit of a redemption. We know he's had a decent season, marred with some off-field matters, but this is redemption. His strike keeps them in the league. You know, if, if Villa did go down, they'd, I'm pretty sure they would struggle to keep hold of Grealish. They might even still struggle to keep hold of him now, but, you know... It's not as deep to sell him. If a dumb offer comes for him, they got to let him go and he probably will dig his heels in. He does 
deserve to be playing for a higher level club and not being in a relegation battle. I think you'd thrive with better players with all due respect to Villa. But they've done what they can, people. Um, you know, the key is for Dean Smith and Dean Smith's men is just to make sure they're not involved in this again next year. You know, West Ham under David Moyes in the 19 games Moyes has taken, you know, he's recorded one he's recorded one more Premier League point twenty than they managed in the previous nineteen goals nineteen games, sorry, under Manuel Pellegrini. Um, I think Declan Rice played every minute of West Ham's season this year in the Premier League. And I'd be amazed if he isn't... I don't know if he'll leave West Ham, but surely he's under severe scrutiny because last year he was under Chelsea and Man United wanted him. You know, they've kept on... They've kept hold of him and you could only say <laughs> um, Declan Rice's stock has gone up tenfold now, you know. Um, so we'll see what happens in that regards. Um, in relation to Brighton versus Burnley, Brighton won two goals to one against Burnley. Connolly has kind of been missing since his two goals against Spurs, but he popped up to score his third goal of the season. Um, and it took, and you know, it's been a couple of months. His last strike was in 2019, in in October of that month, that year. Sorry, and it's taken him only 295 days, but it's come, people. And at the end of the day, three points for Brighton. Gary Potter's, Graham Potter's men have had a decent year. Um, for, for Bournemouth, they sign out of five years being a consistent Premier League side with a 3-1 victory against Everton, which in the grand scheme of things means nothing. You know, Stanislas, Solanke and Josh King with the decisive goals. Moise Keane, who hasn't had too much to talk about this season, popped up with Everton's goal. Um, you know, so in relation to Bournemouth, they're going down. You know, I do think a couple of their players will get moves, which we'll get onto later, but it is what it is in that regards. Spurs and Crystal Palace drew 1-1 and I mean Jose Mourinho, I'm seeing him celebrate and dance with his coaching staff about finishing sixth place. Small club mentality indeed. Spurs fans, I've got to do it. You finished ahead of us. There's no there's no St Tottenham day for Arsenal. I've got to do it. I'm sour people. But for Spurs, like us, it's been a woeful season. It's actually in the last 11 years, 10, 11 years, been their worst season, people. Um, really and truly in terms of points in, in mass people. In fact, yeah, like I said, it's their lowest points tally in 11 years. They finished on 59 points. And it's been a poor season for everybody, you know. 30, 40 points wasn't enough to keep you in the league, you know. Looking at the points required to get into the Champions League, you can't say it was the most, you know. Last year, Arsenal missed out by set, by one point and we got 70. Do you get it? Look at, the, look at the league table this year. So it's been a poor season collectively. You know, if you're not, for me, if you're not Sheffield United... To a degree, Leicester, if you're not, you know, if you're not Liverpool, then you've not had a good season, really and truly. Obviously, Villa, the key is to stay in the league. I say Sheffield United because, once again, I feel they've performed above expectations. I say Liverpool because they've won the league title. I'd say Le Leicester because, obviously, Brendan Rodgers has bottled f finishing in the Champions League. But finishing fifth is many fans would not have put Leicester in that. So there's that. Man City are second, yes, but by City's circumstances, they will not be happy losing to 20-odd points and whatnot. For United and Chelsea, just being in the top four is a great season. You can potentially even add even add Chelsea into that because many people are saying Lampard was going to come 10th. End of the day, they finished fourth. Manchester United is too big of a club to be celebrating coming fourth, especially in a day and age when you're seeing Man City and Liverpool ahead of you, you know. Um, so it's not been too good to scream about. But at the end of the day... Spurs have Europa League football, something that my man them that support Spurs in, that I see in a day-to-day -day life can't banter me about now. And it is what it is. Kane scores, you know, Son got voted goal of the season on match of the day. It is it is what it is. And jo Jose Mourinho seems quite bullish about, about top four and things or returning Spurs to where they allegedly belong. He said, when all the players are available, we showed in this period where we belong. I don't know, maybe in this period after lockdown, we finished third or fourth in the table. So that's where we belong. 
I want to have my team, my players, not a medical room full of players. I want a pitch full of players. Of course, as a squad, the main thing is to keep our very good players and after that, improve the, the squad. Are we going to buy 10 players? No. Are we going to buy 10 players for 100 million? No. We are going to improve. Um, and he also confirmed Ledley King will be joining his coaching staff next season, people. Um, so you've got that. Um, one second, people, as I just make a note, because I have I just had a video idea and I really don't want to forget that. Apologies for that silence, people. I had to write that down. Um, so, yeah, man, Spurs finish above Arsenal. You know, still no trophies, but is what it is. Um, for Manchester United, the key thing was to just get over the line. And, you know, VAR was always going to come through. Ferguson was always going to pay his direct debits, as he's been doing since the restart. Manchester United and penalties, you know, it's a match made in heaven. It's one of the biggest marriages in football. You know, VAR came to their rescue. United have been awarded 14 Premier League penalties this season, the most of any team in a single season. Um, you know... Lingard managed to score. That's probably his last goal for Manchester United. If he isn't sold, I'd be amazed. Bruno Fernandes continues to stat pad like he's a terrific player, but sometimes he actually plays quite appalling and he scores. And I was amazed when they said he won man of the match, but it is what it is. Johnny Evans clearly still Manchester United at heart and between the red card and what he was doing in in the incident before that, conceding the penalty, I don't know what he's on. Joe Evans was on, Johnny Evans was on something else, just diving in in that game. And for Leicester, Leicester have bottled it. Obviously, Shiyunchu's red card has kind of played a part in their season, kind of not being ending in Champions League. But they were running away with it, man. That, you know, all, for how many game weeks were they third and fourth? So they, they bottled it. And for a lot of them Leicester players, you know, not, I know not too many are there, but a couple of them players were there. You know, Vardy, Wes Morgan, Fuchs, a lot of them are getting on a bit. A lot of them were there when Leicester won the league title. So they know how to keep playing when there's a target on their back. So... They finished fifth, they get Europa League football. Europe was the goal, but to not be in Europe's elite competition must be a kick in the teeth to, to Leicester. Um, with that, we can't speak Leicester and not speak about Jamie Vardy. You know, congratulations to Jamie Vardy on winning the Premier League Golden Boot. He is the oldest player to do so at 33 years of age and 198 days young. Um, only two Leicester players have finished top goal scorer in the English top flight. In 2020, it was Jamie Vardy. Ten years before I was born in 1985, it was a certain match of the day presenter, Gary Lineker, um, you know. So we have to see, we, you know, it's, it's, it's been a decent year for Leicester. Congratulations to them. Now moving to Man City, 5-0 against Norwich, you know, the City Blitz teams, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, two lovely goals yesterday, you know, and he got an assist and ends the season on 20 assists, which is joint with Thierry Henry, you know, he's... Kevin De Bruyne should be player of the year. I know Henderson won the football writers, but it is what it is, man. He's a terrific player. You know, Kevin has been directly involved in 33 Premier League goals this season with 20 assists and 13 goals. The most by a central midfielder in a single season since Lampard's 36 in 2009-2010, in which he scored 22 goals and got 14 assists. With that, you know, in the last three years, City have scored 100, 100 goals in a single campaign. You know, this year they got 102 Last year was 106. 13-14 um, was 102. So Raheem Sterling is the first Englishman to net 20 league goals in the top flight campaign for Man City since Brian Kidd got 21 back in 1976-77. And Raheem Sterling has had a terrific season. It's just a shame there's currently no collective silverware to go with that, people. Obviously, we can't talk City before talking about 
the departure of a Premier League legend, one of the best, if not the greatest, Manchester City player to kick ball for that team. I mean, between Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, the man in question, company, Aguero, you'd have to ask a City fan, you know, who's held in higher regards. But farewell to, to David Silva. He's been a terrific servant for not just City, but in the Premier League. It's been a joy to watch him. You know, I've watched him adapt his game, not just in Spain, but since he's come. You know, he can play on the flanks. He can play as a 10. He can play as a deep line playmaker. You wouldn't have him down as a tenacious individual, but he is quite tenacious. He's been a terrific servant. And for me, you know, it's been a actually a tough couple of years for him. You know, I'm sure you've all seen or heard the news you know when his kid was going through some health complications it's been a tough few years and to know he's come out of all of that to know he leaves on with his head held high at city is terrific for me man you know 434 games 122 assists 77 goals 14 trophies and you know he's done what he needed to do he got 85 minutes in his last game against norwich and the only bad thing is that there's no fans of city you know whether it's home or away fans of any sorts to kind of give him a little clap and Farewell, that's the only bad thing and it is quite sad, but farewell to David Silva. But in relation to the last game, what can you say? Man City ran riot 5-0 against Norwich. Norwich, you know, unlucky. They scored a cracker at the beginning, disallowed because of VAR. Pookie showed why he's a championship level player, should have scored. And, you know, other than that, City put them to the sword. You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling, Gab Jesus, Mores. You know, when you're coming against these sort of players, you're in trouble. And that was the case. These players ran riot yet again. It's simple as simple as that. There really isn't anything else to expand on. They just simply ran riot, people. Um, I don't think I'm missing out any Premier League action. So forgive me if I am. Um, moving away, moving away from that, people. And, you know, congratulations to Jamie Vardy, you know. 20, 23 goals, Premier League top goal scorer. Congratulations to Kevin De Bruyne, 20 assists. Congratulations to Henderson. I mean, Henderson, I might said Henderson. Edison, I was thinking of had, talking about Henderson in this video, but um, Edison, who ended it with 16 clean sheets, and I believe that's his back-to-back -back clean sheet award. Um, you know, De Gea needs to take lessons, Kepa needs to take lessons, Pickford needs to take lessons, three woeful keepers based on this season. Um, you know, also... David Silva has bowed out, but Leighton Baines has also retired and he's been a good serviceman in the Premier League for Wigan, for Everton and obviously for his country. He's got 30, 30 caps. You know, he's the only player in the Premier League to provide over 50 assists um, and, he, and he set up his teammates 53 times in the Premier League. So he's a good serviceman. At his height, you know, Baines could have played for a better team than Everton with all due respect. He was offered the chance to stay um, at Everton past this season, but he probably reckons that his body's not got it in him and he might want to pursue other interests. So he's called time on his career. Um, moving away from that, though, people, um, with the relegated teams, with it being Aston... In fact, before I actually carry on with what I'm speaking about, we might as well, to kind of set me up, let's speak about the Premier League table, what it says, you know, because all that matters is what it says at the end. Um, so let's go and look, people. Obviously, to end the campaign, you've got Liverpool on 99 points with first, second, 81 points, Man City. You've got Man United in third. You've got fourth, Chelsea. Both have 66 points. Fifth, you've got 62 points with Leicester. It's 59 and 59 for Spurs in sixth, seven for Wolves in seventh. Arsenal finished eighth with 56 points, which is our lowest points tally in a while. Ninth place finish for Sheffield. Tenth place for Burnley. Um, Southampton are 11th, considering where they've been, that's a W. Everton should be finishing or aiming for a top 10 finish, so it's been a poor season for them. 
Newcastle are thirteenth, Palace are fourteenth, Brighton are fifteenth, West Ham are sixteenth, seventeenth go to Villa and the three relegated clubs, you know, in order you've got Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich um, occupying eighteenth to twentieth place. Um so yeah, the table don't lie. Norwich were always gonna go down, you know, they were very naive and probably yeah, probably the most naive of the of the of the three clubs to go down. Watford, I did think they had enough to stay up, but you know, considering they've had a number of managers and it's been turbulent, that is the form that deserves to go down. Bournemouth were always punching, and it was always a case of going to happen. I didn't think they would finish eighty. I thought they would finish maybe even nineteenth, um, but they haven't, which sets me up perfectly for my next question. You know, can any of these teams bounce back straight away? I'd say no, man. I'd think, you know, out of all of them, I can only see Norwich keeping hold of their players purely because the only thing that could tempt them, tempt Max Aarons, Jamal Jamal Lewis, Cantwell, Godfrey, is that they're all still young. They're all still young. The move will come. Um, but that being said, I do think a couple of them will get moves. You know, Buendia will probably be playing top flight football either in England or somewhere else. Cantwell surely gets a move. Max Aarons surely gets interest. Ben Godfrey, the same Jamal Lewis, I, I think, can get a move, but they might keep him there. There's a couple of players that will get moves. You know, you look at Bournemouth. Admittedly, there's not too many. I think the keeper, Ramsdale, will probably stay, but he could. Um, Ake deserves a move. You know, Josh King will get a move somewhere. Maybe Stanislas. Um, you know, you've got Callum Wilson with a serious maybe. I know Davey Brooks has had an injury, potentially him. I think Lewis Cook will stay at Bournemouth, but he's a player people could take a chance on. So there are a couple of players that could get moves. Watford, Decore is going to be playing somewhere top, as is Ishmael Assar. Can't imagine Delefeo is going to stay around for this relegation thing. Will Hughes, I think he can get a move. Um, you know, they've got Pereira as well. There is a couple of players that can get moves. Um, and things like that. But I don't see any of these these teams bouncing back straight away purely because I can't really... Again, with COVID and things, their teams might be not torn apart, but I can't see any of these teams bouncing back straight away purely because they're not going to keep this bunch of players. You know, they can't. They're dropping down to the championship, you know, with their wage budgets and, and whatnot and the money, less money coming in even more now even with the COVID stuff, it's probably the worst year to get relegated. Teams are going to fail. Teams are going to be failing. You know, these teams probably going to have to step to sell to a degree. Um, Beeling of Bournemouth might be able to get a move as well. Um, as with Watford's Kapu, if I didn't say him, Dini clearly is stressed. He said, "I honestly don't know if this is going to be my last game at Watford or in the Premier League. If I do ultimately stop playing for Watford as of now, I've had a great run. Things happen in football." I've been here 10 years. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And Dini might be able to stay, you know, if they make, if they sell players and things. I can't, listen, Dini's a decent player, but I don't see any reason while at his age and, and what he is, there'll be a reason for a Premier League team to sign him. Again, if they want someone with hold-up player, Burnley or someone like that, they could. But I do think he could get, could still play football for, for, for Watford in the Championship. But if an, if a snowball's opportunity does come and he is allowed the opportunity to play in the Premier League, he's got to take it. You know, he is Mr. Watford. He is their captain. You know, no one, few people are probably taking it as personal as he probably is taking this relegation. I don't think he probably slept. But, you know, he can't turn down the chance if Premier League offer did come. He's got one year left on his deal. So he might be, you know, let's 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 see what we can do, Dini. Try and help us get back into the league. So we'll have to see, man. There's... You know, a lot of things must have been said. You can imagine in the weeks building up, all three relegated clubs, their players were all probably saying different things. 
for Bournemouth, you know, will their manager still be there? He's kind of played coy. I do think if an offer comes, Eddie Howe will be a Premier League manager again um, in the near too distant future. But he's played coy. He said, in terms of the future and what it looks like, that is for another day. What happened on the final day of 2019-20 season? I think the next step for me is to speak to the owner and the directors to see where we go from here. We need to have a strong vision for the future. I am determined for Bournemouth to get back into the Premier League. So that means he probably wants to stay. But we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Moving away from that, though, and literally just as I was about to record, I was watch, reading The Athletic and The Athletic, where well, David Ornstein revealed hundreds of players from the Premier League, EFL, National League and Scottish Premier League are taking legal action over the use of their performance data and tracking. If successful, the claim is expected to be worth hundreds of millions of pounds. More than 400 current and former players have signed up to pursue gambling, betting and data processing companies who utilise their personal statistics without compensation or consent. And at the end of the day, it all boils down to money. I guess there must be some some sort of image right claim that these players have got to say. And to be fair, if they're using your statistics to make money, you know, it's the name of the game. You might as well try and get an income. Um Apparently, the aim of this of, of of this is this initiative to try and do this is to recover lost income stretching back six years, and secure payments potentially running into tens of thousands of pounds per person, depending on the level a player has competed at and the amount of exposure they have attained. The challenge is not targeting clubs, even if they handled players' data. The intention is to educate them on how best to treat it in the future, rather than seek to bring them into this action. Spearheading the operation, coined. Project Red Card is the experienced manager Russell Slade alongside a team of data specialists and lawyers led by the respected UK firm Freets. They claim the statistics are being used unlawfully and anticipate a majority of male and female footballers in Britain will join the effort. Pardon me. Their ambition is to achieve initial settlements in 2021. The case will likely rest on those who own the data and Project Red Card firmly assert that to be individuals rather than companies utilizing it then industries are profiting as a result so we'll have to see what happens in that regards that's quite crazy finally let's wrap up with some transfers people and i will say this like you saw manchester united and chelsea both confirmed playing in the champions league now in an ever-growing competing premier league where one team is going to miss out how much relevance does Champions League football have or not in terms of bringing in recruitments but you know in terms of Jaden Sanjo and Kai Hervites you can imagine rumours are going to intensify you know there's a lot wrong with Man United I'm sure many fans would agree but you know Jaden Sanjo would be a player that gives depth I think they need someone that can compete on the right hand side I know they've got Greenwood but Greenwood's natural progression is probably to command through the middle. And for Manchester United, you need competition for places. Yes, you've got balance with Martial, Rashford and Greenwood. But what if someone gets injured? What if one person loses form? You know, four into three is, a, you know, there's enough game time for people. You know, it should make, you know, if Rashford misses out, he's got to think, why am I missing out? Sancho doesn't play, why am I playing? Greenwood don't play, why am I playing? Martial playing, competition brings the best out. And obviously there's injury, there's loss of form. There's 38 Premier League games alone. You know, I do think Man United can afford bringing in someone of Jaden Sancho's quality. Um to complement their side. And obviously for Kai Hervites, you know, Chelsea fans are probably licking their lips. You know, they could play him as a number eight. You know, they've got Mount who, you know, Mount's reacting very well. You know, you saw Hakim Ziyech and Werner in, in the in the in the in the stands for Chelsea. And you know, Giroud popped up and scored and said, Yo, listen, 
I know there's Tammy here, I know there's Vernon here, but I'm still here. Mount popped up and said, Lampard, I know you love me, but don't go and snake me for Vern for Verna. However, sorry, I'm here as well. And forget her Hakim Ziyech, I'm here. And again, competition brings out the best. And, you know, I don't know how Chelsea are going to line up, you know. Can they fit her rights, uh, Mount and my man into the same side, um, Ziyech into the same side, you know. They've got Pulisic as well, Callum hudson Adoy still young with a lot of talent. Loftus-Cheek is coming back fit. You know, Reese James still needs to improve a lot at this level, but it's shown he can cut it at, at first-team level. I think, you know, Chelsea sign a centre-half or two, a left-back. You know, address the goalkeeping situation. Things can change for them. For Manchester United, I think Man United clearly need a left-sided centre-half without a doubt. You know, clearly need a left-sided centre-half or just a centre-half in general. Maybe left-back is an area because Luke Shaw is going to play no part in their Europa League campaign now. And they've got Brendan Williams, who, you know, it's just him by himself. Is that an area they could look at, you know? Um, so I'd say centre-half, maybe a de better defensive midfielder. You know, Matic is in good form, but he's not going to be there forever. I know he signed a new deal, but he's getting on a bit. Fred is quite inconsistent. And, you know, Bruno and Pogba, they, they're 30 together. So if you could bring someone else in to add up some stability, that's it. So I'd say a right winger, centre-half, a left-back are the real signings as an outsider looking in for United. And I know I've touched on Chelsea. For Arsenal, we need two centre-halves, two midfielders, centre-mids minimum, personally. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. But in relation to Arsenal, you can imagine we're going to get linked with Zaha again because apparently, according to Roy Hodgson, he is set on leaving. He's 27 years of age. You know, with COVID, maybe they let him go for 40 odd million. Can we offer players in exchange? Can we offer 40 million outright? Because we know the upfront payments is the difference between us signing Pepe and Zaha. Zaha is hot and cold with fans. I would like him, you know, give us more depth. He can play through the middle. He can play behind the striker. He can play on the flanks. He's a strong ball carrier. He's Premier League proven. He's 27, so he hasn't got time to waste and wants to hit the ground running. I think he'll complement the side well. I do think if Zaha was to come and start scoring goals and things like that, it takes the burden off our central midfielders, who I believe don't offer enough goals. And actually, the need for Aubameyang to score goals, you know. Aubameyang should go score goals, but you take away his goals, then you're looking at Martinelli probably or something like that. There's not too many goal scorers collectively around the side. Do you get what I'm saying, people? Um, so we'll have, to see what, we'll have to see what happens in that regards. But the manager himself has said... It's obviously affected him because his form in the last few weeks has been really poor considering what he's capable of doing. It's a dilemma for the club and a dilemma for him. He is so set on leaving. If he feels he, he just does not want to be with us anymore, that would be sad. We still like him very much. We can't make him like us. This is a situation that only he and the club can sort out. I don't have an answer. And as well as us, you know, depending on the fee, I see no reason why. I'm sure Liverpool fans, why, you, Liverpool fans wouldn't turn up their nose at Zaha. Again, he's probably not starting ahead of Mane. He's not getting into that front three, but he's a good rotation option and depth to have. For Spurs, you know, they've got Son on the right, on the left, sorry, but clearly he takes Morris' place on the right or Burge-wise. Zaha is decent. You know, he'd, he'd be a good signing for Arsenal and Spurs. He's been linked with Everton previously. I think he'd be a decent option for Liverpool to have in and around the side. Um, you know, City, he's been linked with City previously, so maybe there's legs to that, although I think City's probably the weakest option for him because they just look like they've got depth there. Although seeing Z Z um, Sane leave, it could tempt them, to be fair with you. They've been linked with Adama. Maybe they say Adama's too expensive. Who knows? James Wood-Prowse, you know, Southampton captain, has um, allegedly agreed a new deal to keep him at Southampton until 2025. Um, Harvey Barnes has emerged as a transfer target for Liverpool. 
Liverpool have also asked about 20-year-old Schalke and Turkey centre-back Ozan Kabak, who is apparently attracting interest from City, Juventus and Dortmund, a player who Mislintat tried to sign for Arsenal. Speaking of that, Arteta has hinted he may have to enter the transfer market because of an injury to Sok- um, to Mustafi, squadron Mustafi. Apparently, he'll miss the start of next season. Now, Mustafi's future is irrelevant. He is someone that potentially should be moved on or kept as a squad player. We should be looking to sign a centre-half regardless of his injury. Um, we'll have to see. Borussia Dortmund have started talks for Leo and France attacking midfielder Jonathan Okone. Could that be a replacement to Jadon Sanjo? I don't know. Apparently, Leeds are targeting Cavani people who has agreed a move to Benfica, allegedly. And they're also targeting Gent and Canada attacking midfielder Jonathan Davis, who also faced competition from Leo. This is all according to the chairman of his current Belgian club, Gent. So we'll have to see what happens. You know, in Arsenal's regard, Oppo Meccano allegedly has signed a new deal at Le- Leverkusen. My man said Leverkusen at Leipzig. I'm looking at another transfer report, people. Um, at Leipzig, apparently, there's an unofficial agreement to... When the, there's there's a fee in, in mind of both parties and both parties are in agreement, he can leave should that be answered. He's been linked with Arsenal and Chelsea alike. Um, Manchester United have also been linked with Kingsley Coleman, who reports reports have they've distanced themselves and it's been squashed. But he'd be a decent option, especially if they couldn't get Jaden Sanjo. Um, with that, that's all the transfer rumors I have to speak about. As usual, it's been a fantastic podcast and it's very interesting for me to sit here and talk to you about it and I'd like to say you know a big praise to you lot because for, for messing with me all season across my podcast content across my YouTube content it's been a long and hard season not just for Arsenal but for whatever team you guys support and it means a lot people really and truly that you lot rock with me and display consistency I hope to keep growing next season I hope you lot stick here for next season in relation to the Premier League campaign though it's been a fantastic 2019-20 season folks I'm out deluded thank you very much for your support please take care please check out my youtube content all my all my information is in the description and in the socials in relation to following me you know type in deluded guna on youtube you will find me deluded guna 04 across all sorts of social media applications apart from twitter which is dguna 04 on that note though i'm out people dg